0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special topical study on the Holy Spirit, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: If you haven't been with us, we've been doing a series of studies On the Holy Spirit. This morning we're in our 12th study on the Holy Spirit and we've been talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit and a part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit as we have talked about, he gives gifts to the church. If you are a Christian, the Bible says that God has given you a gift. All Christians have a gift and that gift is to be used for the building up for the edifying of the body of Christ. That is his ministry. We talked about this. The Holy Spirit is not an energy. It's not a force. It's not an essence. He's not like electricity. He is a person. He is the third person of the Godhead. And this person gives gifts to the church. We've been talking about that. And at the end of our study on the gifts of the Holy Spirit and on the on this, this series on the Holy Spirit, we're going to have it available for you completely on CD. So you might want to be thinking about picking that up. But we've been talking about this, the gifts of the Spirit and the gifts that are given to the church. And we've talked about that there are three lists in the scriptures where we find the gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, if you're taking notes, and Ephesians chapter 4. And we've completed that list that's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And in Romans chapter 12, we have covered the gift of prophecy, the gift of ministry. And last week, we've covered the gift of giving and mercy. And we had a bunch of fun talking about that. Amen? Well, this morning, we're going to deal with uh, two final gifts here in Romans chapter 12, and then next week, we're going well—not next week because the Rosells are going to be here next week. But the following week, we're going to move on to Ephesians chapter four, and we're going to talk about the gifted office of apostle, prophet, evangelist, and pastor. And then the week after that, we're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And some people call it the second blessings. Some we'll people call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Whatever you call it, we're going to talk about it from a biblical standpoint. And then we'll move on to our study in the Gospel of Matthew. So this morning, we're going to pick up and look at two gifts, two more. The last two here in Romans chapter 12, the gift of teaching and the gift of exhortation. Turn in your Bibles, if you haven't already, to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And let's pick up our study this morning in verse 3. If you're there, say a hearty amen. Amen. Paul the Apostle writing to the church at Rome. He says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Now, I love that verse. Don't you? This is one you should commit to memory. This is a memory verse, y'all. Okay, don't think that you're all that in a bag of chips. That's Rodney 1 1, because you're not. But how are you to think? And it's kind of interesting because Paul says that before going into this whole study on the gifts. He says, first of all, before we jump into our study on your giftedness, let's understand that you should not think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. This is how you're to think. Think soberly in verse 3. As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Don't hide them, use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministries and he who teaches we'll talk about this this morning in teaching he who exhorts in exhortation and he who gives with liberality he who leads with diligence he who shows mercy with cheerfulness now stop right there this morning we're going to talk about the gifted gift of the gift of teaching needless to say this is one of my favorite gifts for obvious reasons. I love this gift because I believe this is the gift that God has given to me. I love to teach the Bible. I love to teach spiritual things. Now, I'm being specific here. I love to teach Spiritual things. I love to teach the Bible. I don't love to teach. What do you mean, Rodney? Well, now there's a difference between loving to teach and loving to teach the Bible. Because there are people who love to teach, and they teach in universities, they teach in colleges, they teach in various venues of teaching. But it is a different thing to teach the Bible. I love to teach the Bible because the Bible is the only book ever written that has the power to change the heart of men. Amen? The Bible says the word of God is living and active and powerful than any two-edged sword. Now, Other books, Harlequin Romance. (laughs) Y'all be like, oh, yes, give me my romance. Or whatever book is on the top list of the New York best-selling list, those books don't have power to change. Don't misunderstand me. If you read those books, that's just great. Fine. Okay, fine. But no book ever written is like the Bible. God's Word is living and powerful, sharpening in any two-edged sword. Now, if you're taking notes, let me, uh, of course, I encourage you to do so. Let me give you a definition of the gift of teaching. And it's a long one. Listen to this. The gift of teaching is a spiritual ability to take the truth from the Word of God and explain it clearly so that the people of God can understand it and apply those spiritual truths effectively to their daily daily lives the spiritual ability to take the truth of the word of god and explain it clearly so that the people of god can understand it and apply those spiritual truths effectively to their daily lives there are individuals who have been supernaturally empowered and enabled to teach the bible in a way that makes god's word come alive and makes a difference in the lives of people. That is the gift of teaching. Jesus would take the word of God. Because he is the word. And he had an incredible, incredible ability. When, if you want to study great preachers. There are people who like to study great preachers. If you love to study great preachers. You might want to take a look at Jesus. Because Jesus. Because Jesus. Get this. Jesus would take, you know, great preachers, people with the gift of teaching, they have an incredible ability to use illustrations and everyday things to bring about deep and great profound spiritual truths. Jesus was the epitome of that. He'd be walking along the road with his disciples. And in John chapter 15, you know, Jesus would walk by, He was walking by this gate. And on the gate, there were grapes. And so he'd say to his disciples, he say, he say to the disciples, he say, "You see those grapes?" And they would go, "Yeah." Now I always vision the, the the disciples; they were kind of clueless. I don't know if you get that. They really were they were average, normal, everyday guys, and they really didn't get it a lot. They were just normal guys. And I envisioned, you know, coming from out of Catholic school, you know, we had stained glass windows with the, the with the apostles in them and disciples in the in the stained glass and it was just beautiful and they were, you know, perfectly porcelain and, and, and glass and really clear skin and you know and that and that kind of with halos around their heads and that's what we think of the disciples. But in fact, I mean if you really knew and you really look in the scriptures, you can see those guys, I'm sure they had pimples all over their faces. I'm sure they had bad skin. And, and they didn't get it. They just kind of hung out with Jesus. They just didn't get it. And so Jesus would say, you see those grapes? And they go, yeah. Jesus would say, John 15, I am the vine. You are the branches. Abide in me, and you'll bring forth much fruit. There's an illustration. And the disciples would go, oh. What <laughs> What you talking about, Willis? <laughs> oh. They, and, you know, they didn't really get it. And so, but Jesus is a great preacher to take a look at. As a gifted preacher, he would have the ability, an incredible ability, to tell stories and to use illustrations. I can't help but think of C.S. Lewis and one of my favorite preachers. I call him the Prince of Preachers. He's known as the Prince of Preachers. His name is C.H. Spurgeon. Having the gift of teaching. Gifted teachers are interesting to look at. Let I me mean, listen to. Maybe look at but they're easy to listen to. They're gifted. You want to hear them. Now, there are those who are not gifted to teach. And yet the Bible says that we are all supposed to be teachers. It's in Second Timothy chapter 2. Paul the Apostle says, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Every Christian is called to be able to teach. In some capacity, we should all be spiritually mature enough and know enough of the word of God to be able to teach. Now, as I said, everyone should be able to teach, but not everyone is a gifted teacher. Listen at this story Back in 1968, there was a Billy Graham Day in Charlotte. And Billy's younger brother, Melvin, was given the privilege of saying a few words. Well, he told the story of a farmer who had seen the letters PC in the sky. And being a dedicated Christian, he figured it meant preach Christ. And so he left his farm and he started preaching. Well, after many fruitless months, he decided he must have misinterpreted the letters. They probably meant Plant corn. (laughs) And so he went back to the farm. Now, Melvin said, I don't want to make the same mistake here, so I'll let Billy spread the gospel and I'll spread the fertilizer. (laughs) Now, obviously he was joking. But at the same time, I think he was serious. You see, Melvin Graham understood something that people in the body of Christ should get a hold of. There are many gifts, the Bible says, and yet we are not all gifted in the same way. And when you are seeking to use a gift that God hasn't given you, you would be better off spreading fertilizer. Because you're not a blessing. How often do we look at another person's gift? We go, I want that gift. I want to be a gifted teacher. And so you try to teach, and you're not a gifted teacher, and you're boring. There are some people who are not gifted to teach, and they're just born. Why? Because they're not gifted. That's not their gift. And they're doing more damage to the body than they are a blessing to the body. Now, y'all don't have to say amen there. That's all right. <laughs> Listen to this true but strange story that I think illustrates this very point. This article is a true story. I'm not making this stuff up, Okay. This article is found in the Cape Times, a South African newspaper. For several, months after, for several months, nurses have been baffled to find patients dead in the same bed every Friday morning at the Palanoni Hospital in Free State, South Africa. There was no apparent cause for the deaths and extensive checks on the air conditioning system and a search for the possible bacterial infections failed to reveal any clues. However, further inquiry have now revealed the cause of these deaths. It seems that every Friday morning, the cleaning lady would enter the ward and remove the plug that powered the patient's life support system. She would plug her floor polisher into the vacant socket and then go about her cleaning and buffing. And when she had finished her cleaning and buffing, She would then plug the life support machine back in and leave unaware that the patient was now dead. (laughs) She couldn't hear what was going on because of the noise of her polisher. You know, I read that and thought to myself, it's sad but true. But many people in the church are like this cleaning lady. They're using gifts and going about in this gift and not realizing that other people are not getting ministered to. You're not getting blessed. You're killing us. (laughs) And so, as important as it is in the body of Christ to know what your gifts are, it is equally important and very, let me add, spiritual that you know what your gifts are not. Amen. Amen? Well, I'm called to worship. I'm just called to sing. A joyful noise unto the Lord. <laughs> and you're right, that's a noise. You're not gifted. And it's okay. I think the important thing is not to desire a certain gift, but to say, God, show me what my gift is, that I might use it to be a blessing to the body of Christ. And that's what the gift, gifts are given to us for. Now, if you have a gift of teaching, you're going to be a blessing to those who hear you. People talk to me all the time. And they tell me, they say, you know, pastor, I'm called to teach. I'm called to be a pastor. I'm called to be a pastor teacher. And I may have the opportunity to hear them teach. And it can become apparent to me, I can tell almost in the first five minutes, whether you really have a gift of teaching, whether there's a gift there, or you just want to teach. Now, don't misunderstand me. We all ought to be able to teach. But what we're talking about here is the person who has a gift of teaching. If you have a gift of teaching, you're going to have an ability to take the deep, spiritual, profound truths of the Word of God, even some that are more difficult to understand, and make them very, very clear. You can take the difficult and you can make it easy. And the average person can get something out of your sermon. The average person. Jesus taught kids, kids love to be around Jesus. Why? Because he would, look, this is God. If anybody can be deep and spiritual and profound and talk and you not know what they're saying, it would be Jesus. But he doesn't. Kids love to be around Jesus. disciples are saying, get back, get back, kids. All the kids, get back, get back. Don't touch Jesus. We're his bodyguards. Don't touch him, kid. And Jesus said, no. Let him come. He put him up on his lap and love on him and talk to him and preach to him. That's a gift of teaching. You can see it because even kids can get something out. Everyone can get something out of it. It was John Corson who told me that every single sermon, listen, if you're tending to be a teacher, you write this down. Every single sermon, John Corson told me this, revolutionized, changed my teaching. He told me every sermon should have three elements in it. Milk, meat, and manna. Milk, meat, and manna. Milk for the Christian who's just a new Christian. They can't handle all the heavy stuff and, you know, you need milk. Peter said, as newborn babies, desire the sincere milk of the Word of God. That's where you start. When you become a Christian, you start drinking milk. Like when you're a baby, you take the bottle. You're not like a six-month-old baby asking your mom for T-bone steak. No, you need milk. You need time to grow. But then there comes a time where you should grow up and you should be able to tolerate the meat of the Word of God. Well, you're no longer on milk. Now you've moved on to meat. And then manna, what's manna? Manna is what God gives you when you stand in the pulpit and you're standing before God's people and the Holy Spirit just drops something in your mind or drops something in your spirit to say that. And it happens all the time. Man, there's certain things that I get from the Lord that I cannot get over my computer, that I can't get over my desk, I'm studying. It doesn't negate the need to study the word. We need to be good students of the word of God. And if you're going to teach the word of God, then be a good student of God's word. Don't just come to the pulpit and say, oh man, I'm all manner, baby. All manner for me. I don't need to study the word. All I need is manner. No, you need to stop being lazy and study the Bible. But then there's times when you get in the pulpit, you can't get this at your computer. You can't get this at your desk. God says, say this. And you say it. God says, say that. And you say it. He gives you this verse and makes this connection, makes that connection. You're going, man, this is good stuff, man. Yeah, this is great, God. You see, that's manna. Every sermon, every teaching time should have milk and meat and manna. And when I'm done with my sermons, I generally comb through my sermons to be sure that I have some milk, to be sure that I have some meat. To be sure that I'm open and asking God, Lord, when I get there, give me that manna, just that fresh word, just like you gave the children of Israel in the wilderness every day, God. It just came. They couldn't keep any overnight. They couldn't keep any overnight. It would spoil God, just that fresh word right now. Every gifted teacher most certainly has those three elements woven into their sermon. Now, in the New Testament, the teaching ministry was commanded. Commanded by who? By Jesus. Notice in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, you know this verse well. Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Notice teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, Jesus says, I'm never going to leave you. I'm always with you, even to the end of the age. Jesus instructed his disciples, you and me, to teach all over the world. Now, as you read through the Bible, and particularly as you read through the book of Acts, you will see the teaching ministry was a majority, a major priority of the disciples ministry. Teaching was an important major priority in the disciples ministry. Now I say that because there are many who believe that that there's no place for teaching in the church today. Believe it or not, people, they they don't believe there's need for teaching in the church. Well, the apostles, it was a major priority for them to teach the scriptures. Acts chapter 5, verse 21, if you're taking notes, they entered the temple early in the morning and they taught. The Sanhedrin was told, behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and they're teaching. And even after they were beaten for teaching, in verse 42 of that same chapter, they ceased not to teach Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 18, verse 11 tells us Paul was in Corinth where he stayed for a year and a half teaching the word of God among them. Paul taught in Ephesus for two years from house to house. Paul stressed the importance of teaching in the churches in his epistles. He wrote to his young son in the faith, Timothy, to give attention to teaching. 1 Timothy 4.13. Paul commanded that we teach. Colossians 3.16 Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. This teaching ministry is so very, very important. And in my humble opinion, I believe that the teaching ministry is most certainly the greatest need of the church today. And that's why we teach the Bible Good, sound biblical teaching is so needed. It's Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. God said, my people are destroyed for what, saints? A lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, God says, I will reject you from being priest for me. Because you have forsaken or forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. One of the most hurtful and damaging things to the church today is the lack of teaching, and how many people come here to this church week after week after week after week after week. And they come up to me and they say to me, oh man, I'm so glad I finally found the church that teaches the Bible. How many people say that week after week? Some of you who first came here, I'm looking at you, you came to me and said that. We finally found a church that teaches the Bible. There are people who drive to this church from all over. You would not believe how far. There is a couple who, who drive to this church. They may be here now, but but they drive from Danville, Virginia. Now, how many churches do you pass from Danville, Virginia to the triangle? A hundred? And you mean to tell me that from Danville, Virginia to here, you can't find a church. And don't misunderstand me now. Some folks are just difficult to please. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Some people, man, you can't do it right. Cause and you know what they need? To start their own church. <laughs> and won't nobody show up, but that's not the point. You know what I'm but you know, it's a long way from Danville, and you mean to tell me you can't find a church that teaches a Bible, so you go in, and to me, I guess the question is, you know, it's a flattering comment to me, that finally we found a church that teaches a Bible. That's flattering. Praise the Lord. That's a wonderful thing. But it's also a sad commentary on the church today. Why? You can't find a church that teaches a Bible. What are they teaching? What are they telling people? What do I have to say if I'm going to stand up here and talk to you for 45 minutes and I'm not going to teach you the Bible? What would I be telling you? And why would anybody sit and listen?
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time.